just take this song as we get our house ready to listen to the word of God. Oh, to turn and suffer, there is giving us victory through the work of your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you because we are not in darkness as the world. You said at these end days, thick and broad darkness will cover the world and great darkness will cover the peoples. But for us who fear your name, the light will dawn. And Lord, we thank you for this victory and we glorify your name in the mighty name of Jesus. As we listen to your word, Lord, we pray that you will speak to us in the language we will understand. Father, we exalt you. Lord, our desire is to exalt the name of Jesus. And so I hide behind the cross. Sweet Holy Spirit, may you communicate the word beyond words. May your word transform our lives. Let it not just you know, enlighten our mind. Let it grant us the grace and the power to do what it says. And Lord, we seize every power of darkness that veils the world, every blanket that covers the hearts of men, that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus cannot shine. We rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. Your work, word will have express cause. And Lord, at the end of the day, we have every reason to glorify your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. You may have your seat. I quickly want to thank the leadership of the Church, headed by our chaplain, Venerable Professor Sam Ike, for the opportunity to share the word of God today and the chaplain council for giving me this opportunity. And more importantly, for giving us, the teens, the platform to express ourselves and to communicate the way, you know, communicate the word of God the way we understand it better. Of a truth, the Lord has been helping us in the teens' church. And the topic for today is really apt. In fact, I so much love the, the, the text because it speaks of one thing that is very crucial, very important 
when Solomon, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, summarized an experiment he decided to carry out with his own life, you know, to the casual observer, if you do not understand the background that that was a summary of a life lived under the sun, a summary of life without the intervention of the heavens, a summary of a life outside of Christ. Okay, it will fill you with gloom because in many places he keeps repeating vanity, chasing after the wind, emptiness. And the truth is that that's the summary of a life outside of Christ. In verse, um, chapter 1, verse 13, he stated something. He said, I determine that I will examine and study all things done in this world. That's from the Good News Translation. So he decided to excite himself with excessive amounts of pleasure and the many other things that we seek after in life. He gave himself to wine, to women, to planting of vineyards, orchards, fun, great fun, entertainment, studies, and all that. He said, in all this, in my wisdom was still with me. He wanted to see what the end would be. And in the end, he summarized them as all vanity and chasing after the wind. You know, most times when we chase life, especially at this stage of our lives for the youth, our lives always well planned out with a lot of things. But the truth is that those things do not hold this joy and the satisfaction we seek. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I finished, of course, before, when I was in residency, the, the, the expectation of every resident doctor is to work hard and, you know, become a consultant. But the truth remains that when finally it comes, you wonder, is there any other thing <laughs> behind it? Because the joy is so, or rather the happiness or whatever it brings is so fleeting. You find yourself chasing again. So... When he finished that experiment, in the last chapter, which is where our, our um, text comes from, to remember um, God in the days of your youth, he does what every scientist will do when you conduct an experiment. Okay? You will always have that conclusion and then recommendations. That recommendation is key because that's actually the essence of the whole experiment that was done. And for him, he came out with two important recommendations which he referred to in that last chapter. And strikingly, the first recommendation there addresses the people we are talking about today, the youth. He said something. He you know, lived all this life, married a lot of women, did all this and all that, excited himself, exposed himself to wealth and all that. And he said, look, having looked at all these things and experienced them, I have this recommendation to give as a key to life. To you, young men, to you, young women, I say this. Fear God and keep... One, he said, remember your creator in the days of your youth. 
he has a reason why he says that. Sometimes, when we run through life, run through the mistakes and all that that we do in the youth, in the in, in the period of youth, the mistakes we make sometimes some people recover from them, but not everybody. So he said the number one thing: remember thy Creator in the days of your youth, as a summary. And I'm happy with this because the truth is that that's a summary of what we do in Teen Church. We're trying to remind ourselves, we're trying to remind the youth, do everything, the songs we sing, the worship, everything we do is pointing to one thing. Remember your creator at this time of youth. So this will be the fulcrum of the message. Why do we need to remember him now? So I will use two questions. Okay, I like using questions to explain um, things because it helps me to explore. By the time we answer this question, the message will be clear. So we look at, number one, why do this call to remember your creator in the days of your youth have to come? And why does this particularly have to address the youth? Then two, how do we remember him? Because this kind of remembrance is not just to remember in the head is a, a remembrance that calls for action so we will look at in fact, that will be the main um, thing I want us to go out with how we remember our creator in this day of our youth but before delving into answer these questions um, we will briefly look at the period of one's youth and see what makes this period a special one youth is a period marked by physical mental and emotional strength, vitality and vigor. It is generally agreed to be the prime of life. However, it is also a time of intense pressure, both within and without. The effects of surging hormone inside creates the avenue that makes it easy to the sensualities on the outside to breathe and to have the effects on the youth. Then on the outside, you have peer pressure, things that are promoted in the social media that specifically seems to target the youth. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, morality. The kind of pressures we saw in the drama that we watched. So it's all actually very difficult to successfully navigate this period of life without blowing up or making mistakes here and there. And that is why it becomes important that for the youth, that you're anchored in Christ. Why? Because when you're not anchored and this wave starts beating and we start making mistakes, okay, we saw the grandma, she got pregnant. Thank God she repented and, and gave her life to Christ. She didn't abort, she didn't die through that process. As doctors, we we see people who come in with that same situation, try to abort, and that's their end. For such people that make such mistakes, sometimes we live with a scar, even when we recover from the mistakes. But some other people don't live with such mistakes, uh, I mean, don't recover from the mistakes they made during their youth. So the decisions we make at this level of life usually have far-reaching consequences. And they determine whether the remaining stages of our lives will be lived in fulfillment or in regrets. I know if you take a sample here, 
of a number of us, okay, who got to know Christ in the days of our youth, maybe on campus or before then, they will tell you that that is when they actually built the foundation that is carrying them now. Most of what we do now, we did in school. God passed us through things that even when it becomes difficult, you remember those days and you encourage. You remember those testimonies and you're strengthened. You know that this is not play. We are not playing church. We are actually worshiping somebody who is alive. Praise the Lord. So in Psalm 25 verse 7, the psalmist prayed to the Lord. He said, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are a good God. From here he had his own experiences. And he said something that is very key about the period of youth also. That tendency for rebellion. It's not as if they stepped out to rebel, but the truth is that because of the mental capacity at that stage, because of the intellectual power, they want to start questioning everything and understanding the basis. Most of what the parents taught them when they were young and they were, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. Now they want to know why. And for us, the parents, <laughs> sometimes you get at crossroads because of such things. So we will look at our text, um, the verse 1. I'll read it here from the Amplified. He said, remember earnestly also your creator that you are not your own one but his property now in the days of your youth before the evil days come or the years draw near when you will say of physical pleasure I have no enjoyment in them. Then verse 6, he repeated it again. He said, remember him before the silver cord of life is severed or the golden bow is broken before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. Seven, our bodies will return to the dust of the earth and our bread and the spirit or the bread of life will go back to God who gave it. My attention was drawn to this pitcher being shattered at the spring and I'll talk a little bit about that. A pitcher is a jug, okay? Usually made of earthenware or glass that is used to fetch water. When you take a pitcher to a well, I mean, in this case, it's called a spring, and you know we are taught and that the best form of water is gotten well from the spring. It's one of the purest sources of water. That spring represents life. The earthenware or the pitcher, the container. You take your container to the which is the body or whatever will contain that life to fetch life. So liken it now to the youth. I have plans. I have aspirations. I get to the prime of life at the stage where I fetch the life. The person going with a pitcher to the stream never intended, never believed for whatever reason that it will be shattered. His expectation was to fetch water and take it home for use. But suddenly, at the spring, it got shattered. What does that tell us? As we live life, we plan for life. 
but we do not plan for death. At the prime of life, even though by expectation and prayer and the things we expect, we all pray for and desire and trust God to live to long, I mean, good old age. But please, bear in mind that the pitcher can always get shattered at the well or at the spring. That's an unplanned for and that's an untimely thing. But we pray that that will not be the portion of any of us in Jesus' name. But bear it in mind. It can always happen. So, we'll get to our questions. Why the call to remember our Creator in the days of our youth? Number one, the period of youth is transient. The fact that in that, um, um, our text, after one, from two to five, he started describing the dark days. He referred to as the um, 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 evil days. Tells us that that period of strength and vitality and vigor and what we enjoy now will not always be. It passes. It will slowly wane. Try as we may to sustain the strength, to sustain the energy. But the truth is that that is the cause of life. So we are called upon to use the best part of our lives, to use the best part of our existence, when we can not just only have a vision, but run after that vision. When we can get up and do 10,000 things and yet feel strong. That's the best part of our life that God desires that we use to serve him. So that's the call for us to remember him at that best time. It's like a first fruit of our life that we are giving to God. Praise the Lord. Then number two, why again the call to the youth? For the youth, it is relatively easy to forget about God because we are largely healthy, energetic, bubbling with life. So life usually seems to be working pretty well, okay, compared to old people or older people who may have one challenge, either you're carrying too much weight or have one health condition or the other, that always draws your attention to God. So the old tend to have more time to think about life after now. Many things that happen in life make them one time or the other turn around to God and remember that there's a judgment coming. But for the youth, because of our strength, because of our energy and many things we plan, we tend to keep running and the tendency is that we do not, may not even have the time to settle down to remember our Creator. Hence, this call to the youth. Now, the third one is something I call the time illusion. The general feeling at this phase of life is that one still have a lot of life ahead of him or her. And here I remember an expression my brother, <laughs> Uncle Ebuka, used one day in teens church that got me thinking. He got a picture of um, about five Coca-Cola bottles that we are filled, okay, to different levels. There is one that's nearly empty, another one maybe 20% spent, okay, yeah, 20% pure, 40, like that, and one that is close to um, the brim. And he asked the question, that he said that this represents drinking of the bottle, as the bottle is being emptied, the life is emptied. 
So the one that is half spent means the person has spent half of his years allotted to him here. Okay? And he asked the teens. Okay, he asked everybody, okay, can you try to identify if you're asked, where do you think, which of these bottles do you think represents your life? And of course, your guess is as good as mine. Most of the teens look for the one that has... <laughs> In fact, as Apopo the Bean says, the one to the almost to the brim, okay, that nothing has been spent. They are just starting off with life. And that is a time illusion, okay? That is what we expect. But the sad reality is that we do not actually know how much our bottles have been spent. Even the person, his bottle is near empty, that will be expended by tomorrow. If you call on him, he may point the bottle that is nearly full and think that that's where his life is. And that is the illusion of time because it's so easy to believe that because we are young, we still have a lot of time. And for that, we tend to postpone eternal decisions. We tend to postpone our service to God. But please, bear in mind that we do not know how many percent that has been spent. And here, I will refer to something, an illustration I like using sometimes when sharing the word of God. And I call it like the expiry date principle. You know when you pick any product and you look at it, when you want to buy things, you will look at them, you will see the expiry date. If the date is, um, let's say, two weeks' time, and that thing is something edible, most of us won't want to buy it. Will you? Because you feel, very soon, this one will get spoiled. So you want the one that still has long date. And there is something they call um, the, a, a kind of inventory system or stock management they use for drugs, the pharmacies. They want to use drugs that have nearer expiry day. Use them first. The reason is that if you go and use the first ones and leave the other one, they will get spoils and that will lead to a lot of wastage. And now let me bring it to our lives. For physical things that are created, we know the date. We can check them and make adequate preparations. If it's the one that we need to use fast, we quickly use it up so it doesn't get um, spoiled. But will I shock you to know that even us human beings as we move around, also have our dates imprinted on us. We have the number. You say that the number of our the days allotted to us are written in your books. As we are sent here to do the assignments of God, there is time given to us. But unfortunately, that time is hidden from us. Unlike the physical products where we can see this time and make adequate preparations, for us human beings, our dates are invisible. So we can be moving about and it's madam, madam. You know, that's an expression my grandma uses there and I like it so much. <laughs> even the one who will be expended tomorrow, even the one whose date states 27th of October 2021, do not know. So we jump around, plan for business, do all things but we do not know our dates. 
how will your life be and how will your decisions be if you know for sure that maybe tomorrow or next will be your last day here? Will you still live the same way you live? And that's why the scriptures say that we should, God, you know, he prayed that God should teach us to number our days. Numbering our days means taking count of them, knowing that we do not know the hour or the time. It may not be by Christ coming as unto the end, but it may be you going to him. And that time when it will happen, we do not know. So we live every day trying to do what? Please him, to be at peace with him, because the day or the hour, none of us knows. Praise the Lord. So, when we tend to postpone that day in the days of our youth, these important decisions, and live as if we are sure of tomorrow, we forget one important thing, that what we are promised is actually what? Today. We are not sure of tomorrow. God never promised us tomorrow. We live in the now. And that reminds me of a song I liked. I used to play it when I was in school. I've not played it a long time now. So, But somewhere in the chorus, it says something. It, it, the name of the song is Tomorrow by um, Bibi and Sewinans. So somewhere it said, I am here. Won't you please let me in? I am here. Won't you please take my hands? I am he who supplies all your needs. And you said, I know, but tomorrow. And the end of that chorus says, Tomorrow, who promised you tomorrow, you better choose the Lord today. For tomorrow may very well be too late. Another place he said, Your tomorrow may very well begin today. For some of us that plan for tomorrow, that tomorrow can actually begin today. The reality is that children, youth, adults, all die, and the time for this eternal appointment is usually unplanned. Again, may the Lord teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. In Jesus' name. Now, another reason why I think this call also is important and it goes out to the youth is that this is usually the time when the storms of life rage. The vicissitudes are high. Many things these young ones pass through, even some of us, the parents, do not know. And the world seems to be getting darker and darker by the day. Of course, that's the pro prophecy upon the world. Men are inventing new ways of darkness and new ways of, you know, perpetrating evil. It has become so bad that I wonder, when I was young, blood used to be sacred. But now, this generation that see this bloodshed, even more it has become so common and this thing numbs people's hearts and this speaks of the darkness that yet shall yet be because when people don't see blood at anything the likelihood that they don't feel anything shedding it but I pray that God will help us as a nation 
and take away this ugly darkness we see now in Jesus' name. That time of trial, that time of, of, of storm came once, to, many times they have come to me, but I will share one here. And that is to encourage us, the young ones. This happened before I got married. I think when I, I finished from the university um, and um, got job with the, the HIV clinic in UNCH. We were staying for a training in Lagos. We stayed about two weeks there. And um, went around different hospitals to understudy how they run their program so that we'll come and establish the one in UNCH. Uh, we are three of us, the three pioneer medical officers that helped in establishing that clinic. So, when we came back from that training, I lived um, I, stayed at, I stayed most of my life at Onisha, okay? But at that time, I was living with one of my cousins in GRA here in Enugu. So I traveled home quickly to be uh, with my people a little bit and came back to Enugu. And I could remember vividly, that was around um, trade fair period. So one of the days, evenings, I was walking... Um, from the place we stay in GRA to the trade fair. The old trade fair that is somewhere around um, opposite all sense. That's where they do trade fair then. Good. So I was feeling this pain all over me. And particularly my waist was aching. So I was making joke in front of myself. I said, here, this one, I'm having waist pain at this age of my life. My life. What is happening? So uh, naturally, I went and bought anti-malarial and took... But the symptoms continued and seemed to be worsening. The fever continued. The body aches were still there. Two days later, I was sleeping in the house. We, we, um, there are two of us that stays in one room. One of their sons and myself share the room. And the mattress, we keep it on the, on the, um, on the, on the floor. So I tried to get up to go um, ease myself. And I realized I couldn't get up from the bed. Ha! I tried again to lift myself up. No way. Tried for almost five minutes. I was pressed that I couldn't get up to urinate. So I tapped him, Olisa, please um, help me. I want to get up. The guy <laughs> looked at me. <laughs> this one is, you want to get up? Get up now. I told him I can't get up. <laughs> he couldn't understand it. Because if you look at me, I was still looking okay. There was really no more change from how I, looked, I, I used to look. So, he told me what is time. I told him, I just feel so tired, I can't get up. So, he helped me up and supported me on his shoulders. I went to the um, bath, um, and toilet and eat myself. And I was almost as if the wind was, could carry me. So, I didn't have, I was afraid going back to lie down because I didn't know what would happen if I lay down again. So, I now sat down at the dining and decided to stay there till morning. So, I tried to search. Remember, I was a doctor when this I just um, um, graduated. Okay? So, I looked for my pulse. I couldn't see my pulse. I couldn't feel it. I searched everywhere. I said, ah, ah. Is it that I don't know how to check pulse again? Check for my pulse. Ha. But I kept quiet. I didn't want to scare anyone. So, I just stayed there. And called some of my colleagues that stay in Enugu. Okay? Told them, please, to come to GRA that I need help. So, some of my um, colleagues came around. 
check my, I told them to come with um, um, speak to check my BP. So they came, checked my BP, 60 over 40. And then that morning, when I removed my shirt, the, uh, my, the person that is like our mom there in the house asked me, what's this red spot on your body? Red rashes on your body. I told him red rash, I can't see anything. So that was the first time I looked at my body and noticed that I had rashes that were red. Huh. I said, what is this one? So immediately in medicine, when you see something, you start thinking of viral something. So I said, who do I call? The person that came to my mind was one of our consultants there. You know, I called him. He stays in Transsequilu. I called him. He came. Okay, he said we should, they should bring me to his house. Okay. Those my friends got a car, took me to the house. When I came, he checked my BP again. It was dropping further. So they set IV fluid for me and said I should be taken to um, 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 Pinox, Pinox Hospital. Remember, a youth starting off life, men have rejoiced and just celebrated my graduation a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> this will be the time to, to, to start doing what I was trained to, to train. And this was shown at me. But I thank God that somehow, 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 he had helped me before then to spend my youth well. Because you will see how that helped me to pull through at that period. So they took me... Um, put the fluid, took me there, run investigations. I'll try to cut it short. And finally, the picture showed that it was viral. They were not sure what it was. But it was getting, I was getting down. So they took me to um, accident and emergency, UNTH. I was admitted there, isolated in the ward. More diagnosis ran. And at the end of the day, it was Lassa fever. It was found that it was Lassa fever. They said, I asked them the question, when did I, where did I travel to? Where was that? The best I could remember was Lagos, okay? Where I went to. Of course, in one of the hotels, I, I noticed once that they were keeping cup up. Two times I corrected them, keep plates and stuff face down. But they usually keep it face up. One day when they were there to serve us, I noticed a tiny rat pass. That day I stopped eating in that place. But little did I know that I had been exposed <laughs> before then. So, barely two weeks going home, this whole thing started. My, man, it was horrible. I am telling the stories here, but I met face to face with death that period. Before you know it, my feet started swelling, swelling all over. I couldn't walk. I was being carried on wheelchair. They started this terrible drug, Rebavirin IV. Then, it wasn't usual, um, Lassa in UNTH. So, it was difficult making a diagnosis. But one of the consultants who also treats people in Ebony, is a professor now in Igwe, stuck out his neck, made the diagnosis, and the drug started. So, this drug, when they would give it to me, literally my pains would almost like, you feel burning sensations going through your veins. And once they finish giving it, the, the veins will start, that's what we call that line has tissued. That's it won't be patent anymore. It, the drip won't be able to go. And most of what I was receiving then was through the fluid. So they keep looking for line here and there. This one will teach you, they will put it here. This one will teach you, they will look for line here. By the end of week one, 
by week two, I was tired. I just got tired of the whole thing. But I had to go on. Then, even um, 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 house officers were a few, so I had to stay with my younger brother. I trained him to, to help flush off the line when it, it, it's blocked and all that. But where my story is going to is that at all this time, I never remembered to pray for myself. I was too tired to pray. I was knocked down and flat completely. I was just looking at life. By the, 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 the BP dropped down, by the second week, it was now shooting up. I was being given um, um, antihypertensive to bring down the, the high beat, the blood pressure. And then fever started. They gave antibiotics, gave this one, gave anti-malaria. The fever persisted. And, I was, and this fever breaks one down and all that. So by the third week, it was as if I wasn't alive. To myself, I felt, nah. <laughs> Truly, I came to that point. So when they came for grand round to discuss my case, because suddenly I became the case that they were discussing me. So when they came, I said, I want to go. They said, you can't go. You can't decide yourself. Because you're a doctor doesn't mean you decide when you go. I told them, I want to go. I want to go. So they continued their round. But that thing stirred up something in me. That evening, my younger brother who was taking care of me was playing... Um, Cosmol FM. I don't know how many of you remember Cosmol FM then. A message was going on, being preached by, I don't know, some of you might know him here, Pastor Banky. That was the uh, first time I listened to a message all through this sickness. And as I was listening, it was as if strength was just being pushed into me. I was receiving strength. I was receiving strength. So I suddenly remember that I had a lot of messages in my laptop that I had in the hospital all the while that I never opened. So when his um, um, preaching time ended, I told my brother, please, open my laptop, open to this place, get to these messages, keep playing them for me. So he played the messages, he kept playing them, it was as if I was eating. Strength was going in. For almost two, three hours, I was listening to those messages. I didn't even know when I busted in tongues and started praying. I prayed and prayed, I don't know for how long, but... Deep inside that prayer, I had this, like a, 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 a feeling inside me that says, lay hands on yourself and pray for yourself. I started laying hands all over my body and declaring whatever came to my mouth then to declare. And I, I didn't say something, I forgot. Those rashes I mentioned, red rashes, all joined together and opened up later because they got infected, opened up, and now became like a wound all over my body, bed sores at the back, on the legs, it was terrible. So they were dressing it, they were dressing the wound. I laid hands on all those places, everywhere I prayed. At a time, inside me, I felt, it's okay, it's done. So I slept off. In the morning, remember, they said that they wouldn't discharge me until I'm fever-free for three days. And then fever was persistently going up, 38 points, 38 points. I laid down in the morning when the nurse that usually comes to dress the wound came, he, they would dress the one at my back and the one on my legs. I faced down, she opened the wound to dress and shouted, Jesus. I said, can I shout to Jesus and dress the wound? <laughs> I asked her, what? She said that the wound is dry. I said, dry what? I called my brother, please look at my back. He screamed. Now, I know God heals, I hear it, 
But then I didn't know it is possible for wound to heal suddenly. So when they screamed, I touched my back. I wasn't feeling the water I used to feel when I touched that place. And of course, that was the last day wound dressing ended. My legs, my, my this thing. But the beautiful thing was the fever stopped that day. That what happened, that word round was on a Monday. Tuesday, no fever. Wednesday, no fever. Thursday, no fever. Friday, I was discharged. What would have happened if I hadn't met Christ before then? If I couldn't enjoy the word of God? If I didn't have them, maybe at least stall somewhere to help me. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit to help me pray the right prayers and intercede and connect me to the Father to hear what to do. And that has so much strengthened my faith about healing that even when it tarries, somehow I know it's possible. Because it's not a joke. I've received it. I've touched it. So this is a call for us, the young people. Please. When the Bible says, it's calling us to remember God in the days of our youth. Things my life ahead. The energy we gather now, what we sow now, and as an Megan, gather those wood, eat those words, feed on the word of God, do not despair, because time will come when some of these things will speak. Praise the Lord. Now we look at the second part, I'll be quick here, which is how do we or how should we remember our Creator? And Amplify brought it out very well that gave it another set of meaning to me. He said, remember earnestly. We'll come to that earnestly. Also your creator. Then in brackets, he wrote that you are not your own, but his property now. In the days of your youth, before the evil day comes, or the years draws near, when you will say of physical pleasures, I have no enjoyment in them. Remember earnestly. I try to look it up in different places and look at what he says. Remember him sincerely. Not with deception. Sincerely. Remember him with intense convictions. We know the story of Daniel and the other three Hebrew children about their convictions and how it helped them preach the word of God through their light. And those convictions when they were in Babylon. Then he said, remember him not casually. Sometimes we remember God. We know he exists. He knows, we know he loves us. But it's casual. It doesn't call for any demand on us. It doesn't call for any commitment. Yes, we know, but it's casual. Then another thing he said, not flippantly, not lightly. Remember God not flippantly, not by words of mouth alone, but by your life and your actions. How else do we remember him? Remember by knowing that you are not your own, you are his property now. Can someone open 1 Corinthians 6 and read from um, 19 and 20 quickly, please? 1 Corinthians 6. Okay. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Thank you very much. 
Do you not know that your body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. As we move about, we are not just bodies. We are not just spirits. We who have received him, he dwells in us through his spirit. And so we are his temples. And there's a great price that was paid to achieve that, the blood of his son. So when the world says it's your life, live it, live it to the fullest, live it the way you like, it's my life. God says, you are not your own. I bought you with a price. Live your life for me. Anything that is made, any property, anything we create, always have um, um, what it was created to achieve. And such is our lives and the gift of life which we are given. There's a purpose God has for us. And he's saying, use it, use this life which is a gift to achieve that for me. In Matthew 16, 25 and 26, Jesus said that whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what does it profit a man? If after all this running around, we end up gaining the whole world, even though it's not possible to gain the whole world, because as you're chasing the world, <laughs> other people are also chasing it. So you can only get a part of it. But he said, for adventure, you are giving the ability to get all of it. It doesn't steal if weight with our soul. For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Again, how do we remember him? We make him the center of our lives. We live our life propelled by the understanding that we are created for his pleasure, to worship and to serve him. You know, the song by the 24 elders in Revelation 4, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and we're created so that's the whole summary that's why we are created for his pleasure you know, there's a trend that is taking over the time, and I think I'll just spend a few minutes to talk about it. This bombarding heaven prayers as if God exists for our pleasure. You know, somehow, the religion of our time seems to have flipped the coin over. We see God as almost like a genie who exists to fill our needs. And there's this dangerous trend now where the Personal altars of people are gradually being destroyed. And I see that as an end-time move by the devil. What do I mean? Suddenly, before our very eyes, the morning time for personal devotions had turned to time when we tune on to some group prayers, maybe on the internet or somewhere. So instead of communicating to hear God to receive things for ourselves, we find people in a platform where they just... You know, in my house, when I didn't know what was happening, but I keep hearing amen, amen, amen. I said, I asked my wife, I keep hearing amen. It's like some people moved in newly. This prayer, oh, she laughed at me. So it was, she now told me what was happening. Okay, I won't call names, but some of us know these things. Suddenly, 
life has become about us. We bombard heavens, we fight enemies, we, 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 we just don't care so much about the program of God. All we want is to receive that miracle. And we keep shouting, Amen, the time we will have used to know his mind for our lives. When the foundation gets broken, when the altars get shattered, when the place where men hear God gets substituted for other th- with other things, it's dangerous. It's dangerous where Christianity is going. Again, in chapter 12, from 13 and 14, when he's summarizing, the second thing he said, the first he had told us when to remember God. Now he said again, fear God, that has reverently worship him and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And Amplify also brought out beautifully again, he said that this is the full original purpose of creation to reverence and to worship God. It's the full and original purpose for creation. The root of character. You see good character, align yourself to God. Worship Him. Serve Him. It touches our character. It changes it. He said that's the root of character. The foundation of all happiness. The adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. The adjustment that corrects them is our worship of God. And verse 14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or evil. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that's Romans 12, 1 and 2, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. And to conclude, please open your Bibles to Psalm 110. I'm almost concluding. Psalm 110, we will read verse 1 to 3. Because this, we've been talking about making disciples of all men reaching the kingdoms for God and harvesting or fishing for men as the, day, as the world um, draws to a close. We will see what the prophecy that, will, that went forth concerning the Messiah about how his strength will come, about the people to do this work, about the people he has prepared to do this in that place. He said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until... I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing. Three is actually where I'm going to. Your troops will be willing on the day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men, some translations said your youth, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. Who are the ones to do this battle? Who are the ones to take this word? The youth. And this is how he sees us. He said, the young men, I, I write to you because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. We are the ones that God is trusting to run with this message. 
to run with this gospel to the ends of the earth. But I ask, is this word inside you? Because you can only be strong and overcome if the word is inside you. Again I ask, have you met him who gives the true life that fills you with strength? Even though young men will utterly fail and their strength fail, but they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength as the eagles. And that's the essence of this whole message. That we need to store up the strength, the strength, the grace we need to face the evil day. Because it will come. I didn't have time to go through that five in new good news, but if you have good news Bible, in that place, um, that Ecclesiastic 12, you can read um, 2 to 5 and see how good news vividly describes and co- the, the, the life that will come to, well, not everybody, but some of us as we age. So, um, we'll begin to pray now, but the question I ask is, have you embraced him? And is his word alive in you? Let's bow down our head as we pray. Isorudo, eziudo, udo di nime Jesus, weka Jesus, bata no bigi. Isorudo, eziudo, udo kena bigi. we have learned to recite it looks like stories or just following our parents trying as much as possible to blend and to belong have you experienced the peace that Jesus brings to the heart have you experienced him personally for yourself have you had a witness of his power at work in you do you have his spirit to strengthen you and to help you this is an opportunity to make peace with him this is an opportunity to get enlisted in that, you know, to be that, that, th- th- those people he's trusting to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. If you have not invited Jesus into your life or you're not sure that he's there, that if the picture gets broken today, that you're sure of where you're going to, I want you to lay your hands on your chest and repeat this prayer after me. Lay your right hand on your chest and take this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love for me. I thank you for paying the price for sin on the cross of Calvary. 
I thank you for dying on my behalf that I do not have to test death anymore. I thank you because the price you paid on the cross of Calvary is enough and it makes me acceptable to you once I put my faith in you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive my sins. Forgive the years I have wasted in sin. Have mercy upon me. Let your blood cleanse and purify me. Let your Holy Spirit come inside of me to help me to live for you. I believe in my heart that you died for my sake, that you died that I might be forgiven. I believe this work is enough. And I declare with my mouth today that you are the Lord of my life. Come inside of me. Cancel my name from the book of death and write it in the book of life. Holy Spirit, empower me to live this life. Make this life real to me. Open scriptures to me and help me to run to the end. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Father, we lift up these your sons and your daughters who has called upon the name of Jesus. Your words say that anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Lord, they have confessed you with their mouths as their Lord, and they believe in their hearts that God raised you from the dead for their justification. And so, Lord, we thank you even as you minister your salvation and your life to them, even at this moment, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this new life you've granted them. And we pray that in this day of darkness, in these days of gross darkness over the earth, that your light will shine upon them and that you will hold them by hand, that they will faithfully walk to the end, to the glory of your name. And Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray that you strengthen us, O Lord, in this race. Help us, Lord, to remember you in the days of our youth. Help us, Lord, to remember you seriously. To remember you, not flippantly. To walk with you, so that at the end will fulfill the purpose for which you brought us here. Be thou exalted for hearing us. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Oh,